This is the Championship Chat Podcast, your home of news, views and debate from England's second tier. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Championship Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Jackson. I'm joined, as always, by George Smith. George, how are you doing? Oh, not bad, mate. Not bad. How's things with yourself? Yes, not bad. I'm a little bit under the weather, so apologies if you uh, if I sound a little bit nasally or there's a few... Snee- uh, new sneezes or sniffles in there, but I'm battling the man flu, which my uh, pregnant missus has, has kindly passed on to me, so can't complain too much when she's 36 weeks gone. Um, but yeah, I'm all good, mate. I'm looking forward to the football coming back next week. Obviously, there was no pod last week. It was um, my fiance's birthday, so we were out in London, so the schedules didn't quite work for myself and George. But back with a, a special pod, which I hope you'll enjoy this week, and then, of course, we'll be back next week as usual with your championship roundup and analysis uh, after what it feels like has been a, a very long time. Certainly with the World Cup break going on, hopefully as we record on Sunday afternoon, England will progress as well to the World Cup quarterfinals. Currently, uh, France won Poland nil at halftime whilst we uh, hit record at about four o'clock. So, hope you're all enjoying the World Cup break. And I'm now going to pass over to Mr George Smith to explain today's podcast because it's one that you've wanted to do for a while and has been in the pipeline so uh, I'll pass over to you to explain to our listeners what today's pod's all about. I feel like you've really set me up for something big here like something really exciting that's going to dazzle everyone and probably they're probably all going to find it really boring but no I thought you know after you know we've had several weeks off now without any championship football I thought why not roll back the dice go back through the years and go back to what everybody considers the elite time of championship football and go back to the Coca-Cola era between the 2004-05 season and 2009-2010. And everyone remembers the Coca-Cola Championship, the trademark branding, the logos, everything. For everybody me, it was the, it. Um, the best bit is the highlight show where it was like, yep. it's a beautiful day. That, yep. was, that was the, you, that was the you best. You couldn't fault it. That was Sunday the mornings time. at me nan, me nan and granddad's sticking that yep. on at like 10 o'clock in the morning. That was great. Yep, that was the elite time. Mick McCarthy leading the title for Wolves, that sort of era. So I thought, why don't we do like a dream team from the Coca-Cola era of 2004 to, to, to 2010, picking out, you know, players that were elite level players, like the best players of that era, and then just ones that, you know, we were fond of personally, even though they may not have been considered world beaters. So I just thought a quick, like, so 1 to 11, Coca-Cola Championship Dream Team, throwing it back, probably bringing back some memories. And I'm sure for people listening, yeah. they'll have their own memories of players. Yeah, exactly. It's difficult coming up with content, isn't it, when there's no football. But I thought, you know, Coca-Cola Championship, everyone remembers it, everyone loved it. And, you know, let, let's see what we can put together. And it'll be interesting on socials when we release this to see what people's opinions are and what players they remember from that era. Because I'm sure there's been many stories that people could tell. And, you know, if it was a favourite eleven that I'd picked, wouldn't necessarily be every player from this team. But this is kind of a mixture of kind of favouritism and top draw quality. Cult heroes. Exactly that. I'd like to do a public service announcement before we start that Adel Tarapt is not in the team because Adel Tarapt did not play during this time period because undoubtedly... Someone is going to say, how have you not got Adil Tarapt in this team? Yep. He doesn't fit well, the criteria. So I'm just going well, to put that out very he, early. He, he did, but he only scored one goal when it was the coca Yeah, he camp. didn't have the, the legendary QPR It was when the sponsorship switched to N Power when he came alive. So before anyone shouts at us for not including him, 
We should That's do an empire one. If this goes down well, we'll do an empire one as well. Oh mate, I can already I can already picture my strike force already. There's so many options if we did that. Quick reminder so to make many. sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at champchadpod 24 and uh, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast feed wherever you get your podcast from to make sure you're getting our latest episodes every single week. And a massive thank you as always to our sponsors, Cards Accepted, for supporting the podcast this season. If you're looking to take car payments with no contract or monthly fees, visit cardsaccepted.co.uk. They provide a discount on the RRP of all sum-up devices, so make sure to go and check them out. This is the Championship Chat Podcast. So, George, we will start in goal. I'll let you run through our goalkeeper. This is a combined team for me and George. We've, we've both poured into it and picked our best uh, players and, and gone through that. So, who have you got? Well, who have, who have we picked in goal? Well, we... There was many candidates, I thought, for this, but one that I think, you know, everyone will remember the name because obviously it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a nation that flooded the championship back then. Julian Speroni of Crystal Palace. I mean, he played for Palace for many, many years, over 400 games for them. In the Premier League as well, it must be said, let's not forget, he did get them promoted, I think, in what was 2012-13 when they won the playoff final. But he was just a cult hero at that club, wasn't he? He was brilliant, Julian Speroni. Everybody remembers the trademark ponytail. He was brilliant. He was a fantastic goalkeeper. And, you know, he got into double figures for clean sheets three seasons in a row. And, you know, you just, you just think back to him. He was just, when you thought of Crystal Palace in that time, everybody just remembered Julian Speroni. Everyone remembered him. Cracking goalkeeper. Good character as well, if I remember rightly as well. And, you know, to get to go from where he went from with them, you know, he got them to the Premier League. He played quite a lot in the Prem as well. Absolutely, I just thought, you know... Way. He's definitely one that deserves a place in this team, and what what a cracking servant he was to that football club. You know, he was he was absolutely terrific. And you look back now; he's forty three now. He was at Crystal Palace for fifteen years. That's unheard of in this day and age. Players staying at one club for so long, and he, you know, he joined up for seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds in two thousand and four. And you know, in his first three seasons at the club, he was actually back up that to the man that you may remember with the trademark jogging bottom goalkeeper, <laughs> Gabor Karaili of Hungary. Who could, Who could forget him? But, you know, once that time passed, Speroni, he was Palace's number one. And, you know, as I say, he kept more than 10 clean sheets three seasons in a row. I think it was 11, 13 and then 14. Cracking keeper. And for me, one of, one of the best the championship's ever seen. It's very important that we didn't just pick the Reading team that got promoted in in 2006 because I think um, Marcus Hanneman <laughs> would have would have probably had a good claim at being in goal but we have tried to avoid just what a key Reading's title winning team given that was the outstanding team during this uh, during this period of, of Coca-Cola classics um, other, other goalkeeper that came into goal- my mind was uh, Lee Camp if you remember him he was Definitely good back in the day Forest, yeah, yeah yeah during that period yep yeah. uh, Lee I Camp was very good and there was Matt Murray as well, who we now obviously remember for, for Sky Sports when he was at Wolves. He yep. was pretty good there. Wayne Hennessy. There's so many others, isn't there? Boas Myhill for Hull. He was always quite a, you know, quite a trademark key back in the day. Paddy Kenny as well. You got to give an honourable mention to. He was around the block quite a lot. And this so, looking at the, Go on. No, so moving in, into into the centre of defence, George. Obviously, we've we've gone for. Two real stalwarts, I would, I would say, in, in, in championship. Probably, they probably were two of the elite level centre backs actually at this level uh, during this period. First of all, we've got Phil Jagielka, 
of course, went on to play for England, play for Everton for, you know, hundreds of appearances in the Premier League. But at Sheffield still United, he was, a, he was a, a real cog. Well, yeah, of course, still going strong at Stoke City. At 40. At 40 odd. But he was, a, he was a real stalwart and a big part of the promotion era for Sheffield United when they got promoted during this period. Came through the academy. I think we all remember him going in goal as well, which was which was very funny. Uh, and he was one of the standout defenders, as you say, during that period of time in the championship. Helped United get promoted in 2005-06 under Neil Warnock and scored eight goals as well during that season, which I think probably goes under the radar in terms of how much of a goal threat he was from centre-back. And I think we saw during this period of, of the championship and probably English football, you know, set pieces, there was a, a real reliance. Well, not a reliance on them, but they were far more influential in match results and teams that got promoted. There were very few elite-level championship teams in this period that weren't good at set-pieces and didn't have two centre-backs that you could guarantee you know, 10 to 15 goals between them. So Phil Jagielk was definitely a, a, a slot that we wanted um, filled in our defence. Just He's just a typical Neil Warnock player, but also obviously with the quality to play at a higher level. And we all like championship stories of players that we like that broke through in the championship, get promoted with a club, but then stay in the Premier League and continue their their quality, uh, as we've seen with plenty of examples. And Phil Jagielka, certainly one of the, the biggest ones with the way he's done, like a Harry Maguire, for example. He uh, he was a, a pretty easy pick for us in the in the centre of defence, George. Who who else have we got at centre back? Well, I debated many options for this, and I even debated uh, even debated Jagielka's long term partner in Chris Morgan. Obviously, was a, another stalwart of Bramall Lane, wasn't he? The Blades captain under Warnock for so long. But I went with the former Nottingham Forest man in, in Kelvin Wilson, who I really liked. He was a proper no nonsense big bully of a centre half. Didn't take any prisoners. Always did his job. You know never messed about and he was an always re- a reliable figure and his performances for Forrest for two or three years in the end led to him going to Celtic and then it didn't quite work out in Scotland so he came back to Forrest and he's always one of those players that was kind of a bit of a cult hero at the city ground and you know play as well though I've got visions of him he, picking the ball he was a ball breaking, yeah. breaking left-footed uh, diagonals across the pitch over mm. to, to um, the right back and the right side yeah, he was. He, you know, he was. He was a ball player, but he wasn't somebody who'd mess about with the ball, sort of thing. He didn't take too many risks, but he could glide out from the back and play through. And you know, he at that time for a bit, he played alongside Wes Morgan as well. And what a you know a big bully of a centre half he was. Them two together, but you know, for Forrest, he spent quite a few years there over two spells. I think he spent seven years of his career there in total. And you know, he, he was one of the best for me that the Championship seen. And what surprised me about Kelvin Wilson was. He actually never scored for Forest, I don't think. And, you know, that was really surprising considering the amount of appearances that he made for them. And, That's you know, he played 185 times and he never once scored a goal for them. Really strange. But it's worth mentioning as well, he had two two seasons at Preston in the Coca-Cola Championship era and he did score twice in the 06-07 season for Preston. But Kelvin Wilson, I, I remember him very, very well. He was a really good operator, you know. And, you know, he's just a proper defender that didn't take... Any any nonsense. He was, you know, he was one of them that, as a striker, and imagine you'd looked at and thought, "I don't want to upset him. He's going to really, you know, he's going to go after me if I upset him." You really but won't get much change player. out of him, and when, and if you did upset no. him, he probably set his mate Wes Morgan on you. Yeah, and you know, the mad thing is, Kelvin Wilson. I can't believe he's not even turned forty yet. He's only thirty-seven. 
That's really? the mad thing. Yeah. Entirely Apparently the last well, well, the last club he had the last club he had was Ilkeston Town. Ilkeston, back in twenty twenty. It is, yeah. And he, apparently he joined them in a in a uh, player coaching role in June 2020. So I've no idea if he's still there. But he did take a three-year break from football before mm-hmm. that, after leaving Rotherham. But no, I thought, you know, oh, yeah, Forrest at Preston, he was always rock solid. A really good player. And, you know, just baffles me and stuns me that he, he actually never scored a goal. But he had a great time at Forrest. And he, he, he was a very popular figure. And as I say, he went to Celtic, didn't quite work out. Forrest soon took him back. Yeah, I'll let you do right back as well because this was one you wanted, and I, I, uh, I wanted the left back. So I'll go. I'll let you go. On okay. Right well, right back. It's kind of this one's kind of a favouritism rather than probably top draw elite championship quality. I had to go with my my Sheffield Wednesday fondness, and Lewis Buxton was my man. He, he was arguably for me possibly one of the best right backs I've seen in a Wednesday shirt. Absolute the quality with the white cafu. That is how the champ went. Of course, it was. He came in on loan from Stoke City after, to be fair, being quite a good player for Stoke for two or three seasons before coming to Hillsborough. And, you know, was one of the most popular players that I can remember in a Wednesday shirt in my time watching the club. Always gave 100%. Great cross of the ball as well. And, you know, he, he did chip in with a few goals now and again, Lewis Buxton as well. But, yeah, I can always remember him gliding down the right wing. And except for two seasons in his whole career, he played in the Championship. Only two seasons in League One with Sheffield Wednesday when he quite easily could have gone to, you know, Another championship club, he could have easily got snapped up. Played over 200 games in the championship in his career. You know, he was always solid, always reliable. 14 assists in his Wednesday career and six goals. Just loved everything about him. And for me, I would possibly go as far as saying he's possibly the best right-back I've seen in a Wednesday shirt in, in my time supporting the club. So, always solid. But it's worth remembering as well that, you know, in the 2005-06 season, he played 32 games for Stoke. He was first choice there under Tony Pulis. So, you know, and that was a good side stoke because they were slowly gearing up towards mounting a Premier League push two or three years later. So, Lewis Buxton, for me, had to be in there. But I think there's certainly others that we could have picked from. And, you know, you think back down the years, Kyle Walker played in the Championship, albeit for, for a little while for Sheffield United. Kyle Norton, when he came through at Bramall Lane as well. So, you know, Chris there's been Gunter a few. Chris Forrest in that era. Yeah, Chris Gunter. Chris Gunter would have been a good shout. Yeah, Chris Gunter, still going strong now, of course, you know. He was at Forest. He's still going. Well, he's still going. (laughs) Still going. AFC Wimbledon, Chris Gunter now, but yeah, Chris, he did. But we'll we'll not mention anything on that. If there's any Cardiff or Swansea fans listening, we better not, um, you know, better not make them feel worse than they probably do already. But Chris Gunter, let's be honest, stalwart both for Forest and for Reading as well, it must be said, in the Championship. But for me, probably a little bit of bias towards my been a Wednesday fan, so went for Lewis Buxton. But your left-back choice, for me, very, very solid. Yeah, Nicky Shorey gets the nod at left-back. As I say, I tried tried our best not to just pick the Reading team that got promoted. But I think Nicky Shorey was the standout left-back during this period. Obviously, a, a mainstay in the team that got 106 points, which is obviously a record that still stands today in the Championship era with Reading. And just really, really good delivery from set, set pieces. It's quite funny how they had Ian Hart and Nicky Shorey, both who were left-backs, left-footed, obviously, that were both fantastic deliveries and very similar-ish players at very similar periods, really. It's quite, quite Ian, funny how Ian that happened. Ian Hart was absolutely class. He was. But yeah, Nicky Shorey was just very reliable defender, 
brilliant set pieces in terms of more, more I'm thinking corner kicks, whereas Ian Hart, I, I sort of envisage bending free kicks into the top corner, whereas Nicky Shaw is a little bit more from, from corner kicks and people like Jem Karachan, Ledget Wood flying in at the back post to head them into the net. So he was really good, really classy, very solid championship and dependable championship player. Um, so for me, I thought Nicky Shaw was quite an obvious pick at left back in what I don't think was the greatest talent pool in that time, in that period. So, uh, no. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me, it wasn't It wasn't easy, to be fair, picking out a left back. But, you know, Nicky Shorey came back into the Championship as well. Let's not forget, we're not even Forest a few years later yeah. when, when, you know, his time at Reading came to an end. But, you know, in that 05 06 season when they absolutely stormed their way through the league, he, he was sensational from left back. And, you know, Ian Hart came in when the, when the sponsorship changed to end power, I think in 2010 11. And for me, 2010-11, 2011-12 seasons in the championship were probably the best time, I think, for cult heroes. And the, so the numbers that we saw, you could build some unbelievable dream teams from that time. But in the, in the, in the Coca-Cola era, I think you would have struggled to find a better left-back probably than Nicky Shorey. Definitely. So we've gone 4-3-3 with this team. So we've got three central midfielders, uh, some more attacking than others. So do you want to pick out one of the central midfielders you were most strongly on, George? Yeah, I've got to start with the main man, and I couldn't leave him out of a Coca-Cola team. Got to go with Graham Dorrance. Absolute. Well, I know it's a, a word used a bit cringeworthy and all too often these days, but Graham Dorrance in the 2009-10 season, he was an absolute baller. Let's be honest. He was a class above for West Bromwich Albion that year. And, you know, I was surprised that he actually only spent three seasons of his career playing in the Championship, but that, that one season in 09-10, when West Brom did get promoted in second place, he was absolutely unbelievable that season. I mean, his numbers, he got 13 goals and 18 assists in the Championship, but in all competitions, including the FA Cup and the League Cup, 18 goals and 19 assists from central midfield. They were absolutely ridiculous figures. He, he was an amazing player, Graham Dorrance. He really, you know... I think back to the, the quality that he got as well. He was he was always a player that, you know, could shoot from distance. He liked to get into the 18-yard box as well. He could do all kinds of things. And he was just an absolute nightmare that season. He was he was just a class above. And, you know, it's such a shame that he didn't really manage to ever rekindle that sort of form again in the Championship because he was absolutely class that year. So it was a shame that he never really managed to replicate. Obviously, he went into the Premier League for a bit, West Brom, and did okay, to be fair. He made nearly 200 appearances for West Brom in total. Came back into the Championship in 2014-15 with Norwich and stayed with them for a couple of years. And, you know, he never really hit the heights again. He scored nine goals and got two assists in those two seasons combined. But that West Brom year, he, he was just on another level. And for me, the, the best player in the Championship that year in, in 2009-2010, he, he was a classable, truly outstanding footballer. I think 18 assists at any level is just bonkers, isn't it, really? <laughs> It's, it's he mad, isn't it? He didn't play as a number 10 either. He was just an advanced no, kind of a, field, kind of a so. number eight, wasn't he? Kind of yeah. here, there and everywhere. Just a, an amazing player. And that one season, I think, you know, that probably ranks as the best midfield performance I think we've seen from a championship player in recent years. For me, the, probably the central midfielder that I was most strong, felt struck most strongly about was Chris Cohen, who had to be in centre midfield. Now, in, injuries were a real shame for him because I think he could have gone in and played in the Premier League. Um, an absolute hero at Nottingham Forest. Obviously, had to retire relatively early as well due to the persistent knee problems that he had. Um, but a real cult hero at Forest, a player of great quality, a wonder the left foot. The amount of 
it's just so many good screamers that someone somewhere will have done a Chris Cohen compilation of, of goals from outside the box, and I would very much like to watch it. Um, <laughs> he was class. He was just fantastic, and I think he's gone. I'm pretty sure he's gone into coaching now. He went in quite early, and he was just a, a player I really enjoyed. Scored so many good goals, but it was just such a shame with the knee injuries. It, it felt like for every good 18 months he had, he would then have six or seven months on the sidelines, which was a real shame because he was a really important player for Forrest. I remember one season, I can't remember if this was Coca-Cola or not, it might be a bit later than that, where Forrest had had a wretched season. He'd been out injured for most of it. And I think they needed to win on the last day of the season yeah. to stay up. And he scored an absolute screamer and it, it was one of, one of the goals in a win that kept them up, basically. Believe it or not, that was a lot a lot more recent than you probably think. I did think it was later than this era, but yeah. I thought it was what, Two, like 2012? 2017. What? Really? Yep. I've just got it in front of me now. 2017 when they beat Ipswich 3-0 on the final day to stay up. Yeah. That's what I mean. I didn't think that was seven years later than this. (laughs) It was. But yeah. I mean, but he he was, he was a class operator. And I actually remember, this is a kind of a really, really weird story, actually. When I was at primary school, we'd actually got like a sort of a, I don't know, like somebody was training to be a teacher in and I remember she was a Nottingham Forest fan and she was absolutely obsessed with Chris Cohen. She used to rave about how good he was and how basically he was like the best player in the championship. And looking back now, at that time he was one of the best midfielders in in you know in that era of the championship. And like you said, if it wasn't for injuries, he'd have gone on to bigger and better things because he was a really classy operator. And like you know back as well if they needed when he got well, he was very versatile. He was just an intelligent intelligent footballer, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, he was a player that you know Forest fans will always, always love. He'll always be admired for them. Absolutely. And got ten assists as well in the uh, Great player. In the O nine ten season. So classy operator and for me had to be in the team. Uh do you want to pick our last central midfielder out? I do. And you know, we're going back to the O nine ten again see season again where there was just another central midfielder that ripped it up that year and it's Kevin Nolan you know that year when when Newcastle got promoted winning the title he was the, the captain the iconic number four shirt he, he was unbelievable he was an absolute very underrated footballer I thought Kevin Nolan I always liked him always did a good job it wasn't, it wasn't an amazing football but he picked up very intelligent positions he was good, good he did from midfield wasn't he he did. And, you know, he spent two seasons in the Championship. He later returned two years later at West Ham. You may remember when they were in the Championship and he got 12 goals and six assists that year. But in the 9 10 season for Newcastle, he got 17 goals and four assists in the league. He even got a hat-trick as well that season in a 3-0 away. I've got, away I've got with lots Ipswich. of visions of the ball going into Peter Lovenkrantz and him running on <laughs> beyond and then getting like a yep. flick around the corner and running through and scoring. You think back to that Newcastle team back then, Lovenkranz, Jonas Gutierrez on the left side. Um, who else have they got? Shol Ramiobi, Leon Best, was, I think, was part of that team. Hanley, or was that the year after? Was that the time after they were? That was the time after. Um, Andy Carroll was that time. Yeah, yeah. When he was young and up and coming, you know, and everybody thought he was going to be the next big thing. Obviously, Liverpool thought that and it didn't quite work, but there we go. But no, the owner. You didn't fulfil his potential because I think Reading fans would be quite upset with that accusation. Well. I'm going to have to speak the truth, and I'm saying yes. But no, let's be honest. Kevin Nolan, Newcastle. You know, it was a, it was an unbelievable season for him that year, and you know, he went on to do really good things in the Premier League as well. The season after they got promoted, to be fair, he scored 12 goals and got two assists. The season after, 
So, you know, he was, he was fantastic. But, you know, that 09-10 season, 17 goals, four assists, he, he was superb in central midfield. And, you know, he was he played a little bit higher than Graham Dorans did. But, you yeah, know, to have had no, two... He, he, Definitely more of a number, number 10, 10 compared to... To have, league. you know, but two midfield players that, you know, nudged over 30 goals between them in one season, between them, obviously, that's pretty impressive. And, you know, you, you think back to that time, I almost think the Championship was better back then. I think there was more of a nostalgia around it. I don't think it was. I think we'll say the same thing when we do whatever... We probably will. When, when, when we'll when we, the same thing. When we're looking back on a Sky Bet 11 when it's probably sponsored by, I don't know, McDonald's or something. In probably five, ten years' time, who knows? Shell. But yeah, the Shell Championship. No, it didn't quite have the ring to it, does it? Yeah. To be fair, but no. It's like when everybody, everybody still refers to the League Cup as the Carling Cup, don't they? It was yeah. back in the day. That's when it was good. But no, Kevin Nolan, Graham Dorrance, Chris Cohen. You know, I think that's got a good balance as well. That midfield, I do think it has a nice balance to it. Cohen could sit deep, Dorans in the middle, Nolan a little bit Graham further forward. Around, yeah. Yeah. Be a good midfield that feature nice in a championship dream team. So yeah, that completes the midfield. Yep, and then a free tiered attack uh, on the right hand side. We've got Jimmy Kebe, who was uh, obviously an instrumental part of the the Reading promotion team with twelve goals and twenty one assists. Why did everyone get so many assists back in the back in this era? It feels yeah, like there's I mean, a lot more higher numbers. If there was less. I wonder if We're there was more dominant that. teams back then um, in terms of, you know, it was slightly less competitive than it is now and therefore possibly numbers were a lot higher because 21 assists is pretty bonkers, isn't it, really? That was over two seasons, though, to be fair. I know, but even so, like, even to double <laughs> yeah, 12 I goals mean, and 21 assists in two years. Great player. Very underrated, I thought, Jimmy Kebe. Well, he, 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 he translated relatively well. You know, he played when Reading were in the Premier League he still got plenty of game time. Mm. Um, similar to Joe B. McEnough on the other side, they both got plenty of game time. And then when they came back down and they got promoted again in 2012, I think 12, it was. Yeah. I think it was 11, 12, yeah. yeah you got 11 assists team, that year. Yeah, I mean, just looking at this now, in four seasons in the championship for Reading, obviously Coca-Cola and Empower sponsorship sort of thing combined, 42 assists and 25 goals. In four seasons. It's not bad, is it? That's pretty impressive, that. So, you know, I think I don't think he ever really got the full appreciation, Jimmy Kebe, that he deserved. Just looking at his stats for Reading, obviously, Premier League and Championship. In 190 games, 31 goals and 45 assists. Quite good numbers. Definitely. Good player, though, Jimmy Kebe. 38 now he is. Nearly 39 next month. What was his, what was his last random club? Uh, he played for Leeds for a little while. Played. I'm not sure they were, and, I'm not quite sure Leeds United are a random club. I was thinking more like well, Edmonton Town level. No, no, no. He never played non league in England by the looks they of it. They did not. They did not. I, let's have a look where. <coughs> Excuse me. I think you've passed on whatever you've got through the screen. That's quite impressive, really. It is, but you never know. Let's have a look. Real Mallorca was his last club. Bloody hell, I wouldn't have picked that out if you'd given me 100 guesses. 2015 16, so he's been retired quite a while. Yeah, and according to this, he he went to Real Mallorca, but apparently he never played for them. <laughs> no, he didn't he make a single likes, appearance. Like the climate, which is understandable. If Wikipedia is to be believed, which do, probably, do you wanna, should, pro- probably shouldn't be. Well, according to this, do you want to guess what he's gonna what he actually does now? Carpenter. 
he's a professional poker player. Ah, really? <laughs> he's, according to this, he's ranked 6,473rd in the world. Is that meant to be impressive? No idea. How many people are good at poker? I don't know. It's not something I've ever taken up myself. But no. who knows? But apparently he's now a professional poker player. Very good. So yeah, fair play to Jimmy Kebby. What a man. And, and then on the left side, George, obviously only one man really for, for this yeah. mantle. Yeah, it, it had to be Peter Whittingham, didn't it? You, you couldn't have any Coca-Cola team without Peter Whittingham. I mean, it's such a shame that obviously he's no longer with us. Really tragic story, that one. But what a player he was for Cardiff City. I mean, yeah, he spent a lot of time for Cardiff playing in central midfield. But in 09-10, where Dorrance and Nolan hit big numbers, he played predominantly out on the left-hand side. And he was unbelievable. I remember back then there was actually a Championship Fantasy League that was set up by uh, the former petrol uh, petrol company Texaco, who was the uh, that was the fantasy league I back think then. They're a former petrol. I'm pretty no, sure they still no, exist. they're not. They are still going, aren't they? Yeah, I, I meant former. I'm sure, I, I feel I, that I'm sure there's a petrol station. I meant black, kind of former like sponsorship title sort of thing. Yeah, let's have a look. I'm just loading up Peter Whittingham's numbers now, but they were ridiculous. I mean, twenty goals that season in in 2009-10, where he did play more on the left hand side than anywhere and else. Tennis, tennis as well. I mean, what a player he was. In the championship, he'd been totally played. Players 300. aren't hitting those numbers anymore, are they? Like, who no. recently has got 30 goal contributions? Obviously, taking like, a Mitrovic out of it, where yeah. he's obviously net of 42. But That's what I mean. There's not a player anymore who can, you know, kind of deliver goals and assists. I wonder if high the best rate. teams were a lot better back then. Just trying to think, because those sort of numbers compared to like what we get today, which are more like players hitting similar goal contributions but the more goals you don't get that many players that are getting no. 20 goals and 10 assists are you really well I mean I'm just looking at Peter Whittingham's numbers here obviously he played in the Premier League as we know for a little bit with Cardiff and you know for, for Cardiff though in the championship in 09-10 20 goals 10 assists the following season 11 goals 9 assists the season after 12 goals 15 assists after that it was 8 goals 5 assists even in sixteen seventeen, he was still getting seven goals and eight assists. He had a good balance for both. And, and I mean, what what a player! In terms he of was. the goals, he was fantastic. In terms of the goals point of view, he played left. Like a lot of teams play four four two, obviously. So he played left midfield in yeah. a four four two. So that's a lot more yeah. withdrawn and a lot deeper on the football pitch than someone playing left wing in a four three three, for example. So you'd actually say to score twenty goals and play as a left-sided midfielder rather than a left-forward like we would see with a Ben Brereton-Diaz or an Ismail Assar today. Yeah. That's even more, more impressive. Yeah, yeah. Well, well you, you can yeah. understand why he's got more assists yeah. than you would expect from him. You know, but to they, still have 20 goals is pretty bonkers. The game has changed, hasn't it, in the sense, whereas, you know, wingers now, a modern-day championship winger, everybody thinks of pace, you know, raw, genuine goals. pace, trickery on the ball. Peter Whittingham back then, and I don't know other players who were good back then out wide. Um, probably Michael Kitely, for instance, when he was at Wolves. They would Ross be Wallace, midfielders now today. Ross they? Wallace when he was at Burnley. You know, they were just old-fashioned wingers. They didn't have blistering pace, but they got into positions where they could create things with, you know, just crosses into the box. You know, the, the genuine quality of the championship has risen in recent years, but back then it was obviously the game was played very, very differently. But you know that Cardiff, you know Cardiff era back then of Whittingham. Uh, Michael Chopra, Jay Bothroyd, you know, they were the elite level championship players back then. And if you were to look at it now, you'd probably not even put that type of player probably in a top 10 championship team the way the game's evolved. But 
Peter Whittingham, I mean, you know, he scored a, a really good number of goals season after season, but the quality of goals as well. He had an absolute wand of the left foot, some stunning free kicks that I remember, long-range strikes, great, great player. And I always remember that time when he, when he scored at Leicester from seemingly an impossible angle with a free kick and found the corner. Truly fantastic footballer and, you know, it's just such a sad story what happened a few years ago and, you know, for Cardiff fans, he will, you know, for any championship fan or whoever, he'll never be forgotten. He will go down as one of the all-time greats in this league. It's quite apt that we're doing this now because I'm pretty sure, well, I know that they did a testimonial match in his honour very, very recently. They did, last week. yeah. Uh, Cardiff and Villa, Villa, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think they won 3-1, was it, Cardiff? Uh, I don't I'm know. Sure. Oh. must be, what, I the never... anniversary? What, two-year anniversary? I don't, um, know, I I don't know why was... they did it, but I know, obviously, it were. It was, I know it was March when he died. It was just when COVID was about to kick in, I remember. So it was, it was nearly three years. Yeah, so Maybe I don't know why three, three years did it now, but obviously that was in honour of, of yeah. uh, Peter Wingham. And yeah, very sad story, well but what a player he was. What a player he was. I mean, 399 career appearances in the Championship, 82 goals and 78 assists. He was and one of the then, best, there's no doubt about that. Absolutely, and then leading the line, our number nine, that rhymed, um, Kevin so Doyle. So many options, but it had to be him. It had to be Kevin Doyle, a, a, a true championship icon, particularly in the Coca-Cola era. Scored 18 goals in each of the two seasons he played during, for Reading during that period. And obviously the focal point uh, and a key man for Reading in that side that won the title in 2005-06. Had a pretty good Premier League career as well with Wolves in particular, where he did very well under Mick McCarthy. Um, scored a lot of, scored some crucial goals for Ireland as well at international level, so... Someone that certainly went on to to do it at a higher level as well, like Jagielka in this team, like Kevin Nolan, of course. And there were a lot of options we could have gone with up front, George, but he felt quite fitting given that he was such an important player for what was the elite team during this 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 five-year period. Yeah, definitely. I mean, but there's so many other options that you could have had back in that time. I mean, championship strikers of the Coca-Cola era, I think Sylvan Ebanks-Blake, when he was at Wolves that year, they got promoted and won the title. He was good. Um, you know, other players that never got a promotion on the CV from the Championship. So, well, in fact, no, that's a lie, actually, because he did with West Ham a few years later. But Nicky Maynard, when he was at Bristol City. Nicky Maynard was brilliant at Bristol City. He always banged the goals in for Bristol City year on year and obviously did get a promotion, I should say, with West Ham in 2011-12 when, when he got was at his there. Best, like his- you would say, yeah, the Bristol City period in the Coca Cola period, definitely without a doubt. But I mean, there's others, Billy Sharp, of course, he was played in that time for Sheffield United and for Doncaster. Um, and how can we forget another one, Kevin Phillips? Kevin Phillips, as well, he was one of the one of the best. Um, James Beatty, a one that I always remember, who was you know, would be the man, Ricardo Fuller. How can anyone forget <laughs> that guy for Stoke City? What a player he was. And you know, there's others that you could reel off. I mean, Martin Patterson when he was at Scunthorpe, then went to Burnley and did a good job. There were so, so he had many. A and rocket of a left foot, Patterson. He did. He was a great player. I remember him at Huddersfield as well, in later in his career. Um, then other ones, Michael Chopra deserves an honourable mention. He always banged the goals in for Cardiff. You know, there were so, so many that we could have picked. But I think Kevin Doyle, like you said, it was quite prominent with obviously what that Reading side achieved and how big a role he played in that, that he deserved a slot. So, you know, really difficult team to 
to kind of pick out. And we, you know, we could have done various variations of that. But, you know, I think overall, I think that's a decent side with a good bit of balance to it. Definitely. And thoroughly enjoyable to run through. So if you have uh, anyone that you think has been disrespected and left out, or you just want to pick your team anyway, please tweet us at ChampChatPod24. Let us know your teams. And I hope you've enjoyed this uh, this little bit of championship nostalgia to get you through till next week when we'll have a full breakdown of, of analysis on the division, kicking right back into life. Of course, Judge, there was another game uh, this weekend. We actually had some championship football this this uh, this weekend, which is probably worth touching on. Sunderland running out 3-0 winners against Millwall. Quite an interesting game, really, where I think whoever scored first probably could have won the game because Millwall definitely had some chances at 0-0. Um, some efforts cleared off the line and a, but a really good win for Sunderland having Ellis Sims I think like Sunderland are probably one of the teams that will benefit most from the break having had a full four weeks to get Sims really match fit Ross Stewart wasn't involved but from what we gather he's, he's getting closer and closer so it's only going to have helped him as well and some well taken finishes in there as well um, some pretty bad defending especially for the third goal which was in stoppage time for, for Millwall, where Charlie Cresswell completely just loses like the, the bounce of the ball, gets under it, and, and then it's a, it's an easy finish. Uh, and Diallo, of course, Ahmad, who um, was coming into form at just the right time before the break, carrying on and uh, scoring the decisive first goal too. Yeah, I mean, Ahmad, he just continues to go from strength to strength, doesn't he? That lad, he's in really, really impressive form now. It must be said, he's... He's starting to turn the heat up because, you know, there is a player in there. Man United paid the best part of, I think, £37 million for him a, a couple of years back when he was at Atalanta. So, they've got high hopes for him and he is now starting to deliver after a difficult spell at Rangers last season. But four goals and assists now, his last six games. You know, he's he's becoming, you know, a, the go-to man for Sunderland. He's really delivering. But for Sunderland overall, it's three wins in four now. Point off the playoff places. Things really picking up for Tony Mowbray, and he'll be pleased that you know after what is it two three weeks without having played that they've managed to come out and get such a good result like that. Obviously in front of the Sky cameras as well. Again after winning at Birmingham in front of the Sky Sports cameras prior to the break, so you know things looking up for Sunderland, and they've still got Ross Stewart to come back, the go-to man. Ellis Sims now two goals in two games for him as well. Things looking up for Sunderland, and you know as we said several weeks ago in the Championship pause for the World Cup. The playoff race looks tight and, you know, now with that Sunderland victory, it looks even tighter. It's absolutely ridiculous. Two points now separating sixth and 13th. Two points. It's absolutely bonkers. And if you want to go a little bit deep, you can actually say that there's three points separating sixth and 14th. I was going to say, it's the, still the, in the there. three points. I hadn't realised the two point, but yeah, yeah, three points between 14th and, and sixth. sixth. It's absolutely balmy. You know, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen in the second half of this season. But, I mean, for us as neutrals, it's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out. And then you've got Coventry in there, obviously, with a couple of games in hand on pretty much everyone else. It's going to be interesting. It really is. It's you know, it could, not going it to could even could even boil down to who does the best little bit of business in January, perhaps, who just add that extra little bit of quality. But, uh, like you say, it's uh, it's not going to be dull, that's for sure. Looking no, very, no. very interesting. And of course, we'll have every single match covered for you with the podcast in the championship. So make sure you are uh, subscribed to the podcast feed to get our episodes every week for your weekly analysis on all things Skybet Championship. And that does mark the end of this week's podcast. 
Please make sure you're subscribed, as I say, and make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at ChantChatPod24. Huge thanks, as always, to our sponsors, Cards Accepted, for their support this season. Please go and check them out for any of your business needs. Uh, big help from them to support the podcast this season. So a big thank you, as always. Thanks for listening. Hope you've enjoyed this little trip down memory lane in the championship uh, nostalgia era. And we'll chat again next Monday uh, where we break down another weekend of championship action. Go well. This is the Championship Chat Podcast, your home of news, views and debate from England's second tier.